You irritate me. Your very presence irritates me. Welcome to the Movie Ladder Podcast. We're all about cinematic connections. Each week we are discussing a movie that connects to the movie from the previous week's podcast. My name is Zach Brooks, and I am joined here today by... Av Sadamski. And Brendan Fitzpatrick. I'm back, baby! Yeah, you're back from the dead. We got you. Fell out of a helicopter last week, and you're here today. Yeah, I'm... I'm not going to make any jokes about you being the Lestat to my Louis and you bringing me back to life on the podcast. That's just not a metaphorical road I want to go down. But Just drink this uh, yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, 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 let the listeners, uh, I'll let the listeners draw their own conclusions. Yeah. So, so uh, yes, last week we talked about Tropic Thunder. That was just <laughs> Av and I on a solo duo project. And uh, this week, the gang is back together to talk about Interview with a Vampire. That is due to a Tom Cruise and uh, song connection. Sympathy for the Devil plays in both movies. So uh, at the end of the podcast, we will then decide on our next movie connection based on suggestions from the listeners and us as your hosts. We will be spoiling Interview with the Vampire as we talk about it. So if you have not watched it yet, you can pause this podcast and go rent Interview with the Vampire. Or if you would prefer, you can also just jump ahead to when we start talking about the latter connections. We will put the timestamp in the description for this podcast as well. Uh, of course, uh, we say you should go back and watch that movie and then listen to us talk about it. Because you probably haven't seen it since the mid-90s, if you've seen it at all. As always, you can send in your feedback, your ratings, your questions, and your comments to us at Ladder Movie on Twitter and Letterboxd. And uh, the movie ladder at gmail.com is our email address. We love getting comments, feedback from the listeners, so send it our way. We especially like it when you say didn't have a chance to watch the movie, but like, here's a bunch of suggestions. So and th- <laughs> that at least lets us know that you're still listening to the podcast, whether you watch the movie or not. So. Is that the uh, Jim? Gonna, is that the Jim the, Crumley special? That's the Jim Crumley special. But I'm, I'm okay with it. I mean, it's, it, I'm, I'm just happy people are listening, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I was thinking about uh, our podcast here, and it's kind of like a, you know, it's less of a podcast and more of like a movie book club, basically. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's how I started describing it to people when they ask me, what, what what's your podcast? Like I say, oh, we talk about movies, and it's like a movie book club. Yeah, basically, yeah, me, we just get together, and some people have read all the book, and some people haven't read a word, and some people listen to the audio book, and some people decided to burn the book completely in their houses, so. Yeah. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Av, how are you? Uh, I am doing well. How are you? Good. Um, Av, we have a bone to pick with you. What's Uh-oh. That? Last week, we've gotten a lot of complaints, because <laughs> last week you said, fuck the listeners. I did. And, uh, we, re- <laughs> we regret to inform you of you were canceled. Oh no. Of is canceled. Oh no. Wait, did up. that come from Jeff? Jeff's not uh, allowed to cancel anybody. I canceled Jeff. If that's I all. Jeff. All of Twitter is canceling <laughs> of. Um, there's uh, yeah, I, I saw myself trending. I'm yes. Nervous about that. Never um, good. Never yeah. Good. Never I uh, I have a, I, I think there's a, an old joke or it's probably a relatively new joke that says like every day Twitter has a main character and your goal is not to be it. Right, right. You you like never want to be part of any club that would have you as a member anyway, so. Uh, that's true, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Life motto. Uh, but, with that all said, in all seriousness, <laughs> Av, you are canceled. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm uh, I'm super canceled, uh, perhaps self-canceled. <laughs> um, 
yeah, I guess uh, today uh, this episode is going to be my last episode as a regular host of this podcast, I guess. Um, nothing to do with the podcast itself. Uh, this is more just nice. like a per- personal. Yeah, um, I hate Zach. Uh, Brendan's OK. Um, <laughs> but that just like kind of averages out to mediocre. Uh, now, in all seriousness, um, this podcast has been super fun. Got to see a lot of movies, uh, new ones, old ones, rewatches, first time watches over the last. Uh, what's it? Nine months now. Thirty five movies or so. Yep. Um, and it's been an absolute blast. Uh, it's been great talking to you guys every week. And it's just more of a, uh, you know, personal life decision, uh, work and kids and school being back and everything just accumulating to the point that um, I wasn't able to commit to allocate the time necessary to do this podcast in a proper fashion on a week to week basis. Um, That does not mean that I am going to disappear forever. Um, I hope to be back from time to time if I am uh, welcome back. And I think my understanding is that I continue to get a one third share of all ad revenue that the podcast earns. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, you- so your your point zero 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 tenth of a cent will be in the mail January. Oh, that's a lot higher than I thought. Yeah, you also have to pay all the hosting fees. Oh, okay. yeah. Got it. Okay. Well, um, I'll I'll just say that uh, it's been really great having you on the podcast, and uh, I I wouldn't have wanted to do this without you to start with, um, because you bring a much deeper well of film knowledge and film criticism than uh, Zach and I have just by ourselves. Um, you you have a much deeper knowledge base when it comes to uh, both old and, old and new movies. You've seen a million movies and you've rocked them all. Um, I definitely look forward to having you pop in from time to time and continue to send in um, feedback for episodes that you're excited about that you want to contribute to. Um, and yeah, uh, you're not going to be a stranger. Um, it's, it sucks. I mean, we're all in the middle of multiple national crises, including trying to manage our own lives and everybody's just got to do what's best for them. Um, Zach, you know, I, I agree with everything you said. It's been fun doing it. We're going to keep doing this podcast every week and it'll be good to have Av back on as a guest, uh, whenever he feels inspired by the movie that we pick so oh, that means you're gonna have to listen in a timely fashion so you oh, know, i uh, i week. plan on continuing to be a regular listener of this podcast even when i am not awesome. a part of it so okay. uh looking forward to hearing you and brendan every week talk about movies that's what we like to do here and uh that's what we'll continue to do here even yeah. when i'm not here and uh i think it's going to continue to be great and it's just it's as i said it's been a blast these last nine months uh it's gone about as I would say much better than I thought. I, you know, I was like, okay, yeah, we'll do this thing and it'll probably last four or six weeks and we'll all probably get bored of it right, or just right, right. not want to, <laughs> you know, make the time for it. And, uh, to our credit, we've kept it from feeling like a chore. Um, I yeah, genuinely, I uh, look well, forward to every week. Uh, yeah, in particular, like during like the real, uh, intensity of quarantine, this was mm-hmm. like basically the only, other than my wife, this was like the only <laughs> conversation I had with adults, um, on a weekly basis almost. Uh, right. So that was definitely something I really looked forward to. Um, now that life is back to normal, uh, that's less so the case, but still something I've continued to look forward to. And I will continue to look forward to being a listener. And if uh, opportunity knocks and I have the, I'm able to come on from time to time, uh, I look forward to that as well. 
Yeah. And uh, so I think, you know, this podcast wouldn't be good without a third wheel. So some weeks it'll be just Brennan and I, but we're going to try to get some random guests in here, too. And uh, when appropriate, maybe we'll bring Frank back since Frank has like no movie knowledge at all. He could be coming in with fresh eyes for just about everything we pick. Um, Although we are definitely open to suggestions for people to hop on, be the third guest. So uh, absolutely. As you suggest movies, feel free to suggest who you think might be a good guest. Uh, That would be really fun. Probably Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise aren't coming on just yet. Right. But maybe. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's going to be hard to get somebody like Rob Sester, you know, so maybe stay away from the like, you guys should ask Rob to be on the podcast. That's probably not going to happen, not to disappoint the listeners, but you, you never know. know. <laughs> you never know. Um, but yeah, I, you, I really, you know, uh, shoot for the stars, right? Exactly. Exactly. What's what's the worst anyone can say? No. Yeah. You know, we'll get over it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, you're not quite in the coffin yet. So, uh, <laughs> you know, what 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 else has been going on this week? Um, yeah, so I watched a bunch of movies since our last episode. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> um, the one I will talk to about is the one I watched last night, and that is The Hunt for Red October. Love which, that movie, yes. Yeah, um, I loved it as well. I thought it was great. Um, I actually wish that this was the movie we were talking about today, because I'm, like, really <laughs> excited to talk about The Hunt for Red October. Um, this cast is just, like, unbelievable. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, like, a who's who of, like, stars and what could have been and just like random oh right that guy like the uh what's his name um from uh home alone 2 the bellhop um t- is that tim, tim curry, curry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah and just like this like slice of alec baldwin's like kind of like sliding doors career where like he was mm-hmm. gonna be like a big movie star instead of just like a goofball who's on snl and jack donaghy <laughs> mm-hmm. um like like who looking back, who would have guessed that like there was a point in time where like Alec Baldwin was like a replacement for Harrison Ford or not a replacement, just meaning yeah. interchangeable with Harrison Ford. Um, and, you know, he and he's had, you know, he has his shining spots and a few other movies here and there. But like it seems like he was like really on course to be, you know, an A-list action star or, you know, blockbuster star. And I don't really know what what happened there. Um, I'm sure other people have studied this more, but. Uh, yeah, it was just like a, it's like, it's like a really fun movie. Sean Connery is amazing in it. Mm. Um, I like that. It, it seemed like they, they, they decided that the, uh, Americans would be American and the Russians would be British, mm-hmm. which was, which was fun. Um, yeah, that's, um, that's such a that was big, 90s action movie trope Yeah, to like, cause yeah, that was my big feedback on it. When mm. I, I just pulled, cause I watched it. Uh, oh, I watched it on my birthday this year. So it was like right at the beginning of quarantine and um, I said, you know, the language, the way they handle language in that movie is kind of weird. Um, but otherwise, it didn't feel dated to me at all. And it was I was just I kind of had some nitpicks on it. Yeah, they did this. Uh, they did this really cool trick, which I had heard about for years, but like never really saw it. Like I've heard it referenced in other things where they're like, oh, it was like a hunt for an October moment uh, where like the guy is uh, Sean Connery's uh, colleague is reading from a book. And it kind of like zooms in on him reading the book and then and he's reading it in Russian with subtitles. And then it starts like zooming out and he switches to to English with a British accent. Mm-hmm. And then just from there to the rest of the movie, with the exception of maybe one or two like little scenes, nobody speaks in Russian. Everything is uh, American English or British English. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just looked up uh, Alec Baldwin's imdb or letterbox yeah. profile and he really didn't do much uh i mean after this action wise he didn't do anything that i can see the getaway which i've never seen it looks like a 
um, true romance knockoff. He did have the shadow. I think that might have been the the end. That was sort of the break point for his career was the shadow. Yeah, that was sort of his last big thing in the 90s. And that bombed pretty hard. Um, But yeah, he he sort of went off off the rails after that and disappeared for several years. Had that crazy relationship with Kim Basinger. Had a lot of uh, personal issues as well as I believe drug and alcohol abuse issues. Um, and finally, he seemed to have gotten his stuff together in the early 2000s with 30 Rocks. So, you know, it's a, it's been a nice career rebound, but um, he's definitely a long way from his early 90s leading man swagger that he had in Hunt for Red October. Definitely. And there is one really great shot in Hunt for Red October as well, uh, where he's in front of all the nuclear silos in the mm. base of the submarine. Um, I, I don't remember if it's nuclear. I might have just been nuclear missiles, but um, I noticed that shot and I thought it was really good. And then I realized that there was like articles written about it. So, interesting. Yeah. Are you going to go watch the rest of the Jack Ryan uh, collection of? Um, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. The, uh, I mean, the Jack Ryan TV show is pretty good, actually. Um, I'm, I started season two, but I haven't gotten very far in it. But I've, I've enjoyed it. I mean, John Krasinski is a pretty good Jack Ryan. So. Yeah, I think I, I think I saw Clear and Present Danger. Mm-hmm. Is that the one with John Malkovich, like where he's the assassin? No, oh no, that's that, the, in the line of fire. In the line of fire. Yeah. I don't know why I'm confusing those two movies. Okay. Um, I don't think I don't think that's Clear and Present Danger now. Yeah, no, that's not. That's a different movie. That's with uh, Clint okay. Eastwood. Ah, uh, yeah, that's. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, in the line of fire. Yeah, so I, I think I did see Clear and Present Danger, uh, but I don't think I've seen the others. And yeah, I, I don't really have a huge desire to see them, but uh, this one was really fun, really good. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, How about pa- you, Brandon? Patriot Games is a lot of fun. Um, yeah, so I didn't get a chance to watch a lot while I was uh, on my little break the last week and a half or so. Um, I didn't realize it until I got back that I hadn't logged a movie since September 1st when I watched uh, Fruitvale Station. So. I watched two movies yesterday in preparation for this podcast. Um, not counting, not counting Interview with the Vampire. Um, one of them I'm going to talk about later with Zach uh, in a different context, so I'm not going to bring it up now. But I did finally get around to watching uh, Creed 2, which is Bruce the sequel Control. to... Yeah, Creed 2, Cruise Control. That's a great Bruce joke. Control. Yes, um, Bruce Control. Bruce Control, yes. Bruce Control, sorry. Uh, and that's actually funny because he does learn how to control the hits he takes in the sequel. Spoiler alert. But um, Michael B. Jordan is very, very good. Um, it's sort of a cookie-cutter sequel to an otherwise really good boxing movie. Um, there aren't too many surprises in it. It's you know pretty, um, pretty standard script-wise. But, of course, the performances are really great between Michael B. Jordan, Tessa Thompson. Sylvester Stallone is actually really good. Um, I, I really liked it, but it was like a solid middle of the road, uh, three out of five stars movie for me, but I still think it's worth checking out if you saw the first Creed and you haven't gotten to Creed 2 yet, and you really like sports movies, boxing movies, um, definitely check it out. Um, unfortunately, it's not by Ryan Coogler, like Creed 1, and I think that may have had something to do with the, um, lack of energy I thought this movie had. Um, and it's also over two hours long, which it didn't need to be over two hours long. Mm-hmm. It really could have done the story that it told in 95 minutes, and we would have all been happy and out of there. But it kind of drags a lot of stuff out. And 
One of the highlights a lot of a lot of the early Rocky movies, two, three, and four, are the fantastic training montages. And it tried to do a training montage around the middle of the movie, and it was just bad. It wasn't a very good training montage. Like it was just, eh. And that's that's always like the coolest thing in those movies is you set a really good music, you know, really good uh, song to a really awesome scene of this guy working out in an unconventional way in some unconventional space. And it tried to do that with this, but the song wasn't very good. And the things they chose for him to train with were just sort of lame for this pump up, get ready for the fight training montage. So, it, you know, but it, I mean, it, the final, the, the actual boxy scenes are really, really well done. And Michael, Michael B. Jordan is just really cool. I like him as an actor. Um, so, yeah, that's Tom what Wallace. I've been watching. Um, yeah. And I did just I'll put this in my what I've been watching because it's what I've been listening to. I did get a chance to listen to you guys review of Tropic Thunder last week. Um, I actually really enjoyed what you guys had to say um, and agreed for the most part with both you guys and the listeners. I think if I had to do it over, I probably would have bumped it down to a 3.5 from a 4. I think 4 is a little high in retrospect. But, you know, Zach did a really good job of conveying all my points, so I won't um, completely go over them again. Um, But, yeah, I, I do think it holds up pretty well as a comedy. I think you guys were right on the money that the stuff outside of Vietnam was a heck of a lot better and well-acted and more compelling than the stuff actually taking place in the jungle after the first hour or so. Um, but yeah, overall, I mean, I, I do really like Tropic Thunder. I think it holds up, but yeah, I think I probably would bump it down to a 3.5 from a 4, but it's too late now, so I won't do it. Yeah, it's um, too late. Yeah, that, that score's locked. Yep, scores are locked. But Zach, what, what do you got going on? All right. Um, yeah, I've never seen Creed 2. Uh, it's been on my list to watch. Mm. But um, I like the first Creed. I've uh, only seen the first Rocky as well, which apparently is a sin to some people. Mm-hmm. Um, but So maybe after I finish James Bond, all of those, which someday will happen, then maybe, mm-hmm. I'll, maybe I'll start through the Rocky movies. But I just, I don't know. They, I think boxing movies are all kind of the same and they're just they don't compel me that much i don't know uh, did you have to watch boxing movies for the sports movie tournament earlier uh, yeah. in the year i watched a lot of boxing movies um boxing movies it's interesting boxing movies are probably the best sports movies as like yeah, as movies agree. themselves i mean like if you think of like what are the sports movies that are actually well-regarded movies by like movie critics mm-hmm. you know rocky raging bull uh million dollar baby won the best picture uh you just you you have much more high level uh, both directors and like leading people in boxing yeah. movies than other ones. Um, I think a lot of that is just that like boxing is much easier to film because it's just like more contained and like the flash, the the zoom ins and all that sort of stuff works really well. Where it's like it's much harder to capture sports like baseball, basketball, football, hockey on TV oh, on, in a in a movie because like it just it never looks right in other sports. Um, yeah. But boxing they can do really well. Um, uh, Creed is probably my favorite of all of the Rocky movies, the original Creed. Creed mm-hmm. 2 is like, you know, it's very reductive of the original, um, yeah. much like all the Rocky movies are reductive of the original. I would say, honestly, like, if you've seen the Creed and you've seen the original Rocky, I don't think it's a must at this point to go back and watch mm-hmm. any of the others, unless, like, you just, like, really feel like, you know, you want to be a Rocky completionist for whatever reason. Well, I want to know about this this robot that's getting cut out of the director's cut of Rocky Five. Rocky four. Rocky four. Yeah. I do think Rocky four, if there's one that you have to watch, it's Rocky four. Yeah. And, because uh, that movie, that movie solved communism. 
and I won't tell you how. Do you need well, to see the other ones though? Well, I would. No, no, you don't. I don't think you really have to. No. Um, you know, two is pretty good because you mm. get the rematch with Apollo. Three is pretty silly. That's like the one with Hulk Hogan and Mr. T. Yeah. Five is horrible. I never saw Rocky Balboa. I heard it was pretty bad. Yeah. Four is probably the best other one. And if you're going to see Creed 2, it would make sense to see Rocky 4 before you see Creed 2 because there's like a character connection. Um, so I would say like if you want to do like an abridged like Rocky watch, do – Two, four, and then Creed two, and you could skip mm-hmm. three, five, and Balboa. If you, you know, if you want to watch them all, watch them all. And there was well, also I am a completionist a, sometimes, so. Uh, but that that would be a good ladder connection for me, for my personal. Yeah. Life. There was also an unofficial uh, Rocky movie called Grudge Match, right, where he's he and Robert De Niro fight each other, and they're both really, really old. Am I just making this up? I'm oh no, this is real. This is real. Yeah. So it's it's an unofficial Rocky movie, but it's basically a Rocky movie. Yeah. Huh. All right. Well, yeah, someday I'll finish all of my Bond and then I can start on some other big franchise like maybe the Rocky movies. Definitely. So. All right. Well, speaking of James Bond, uh, I watched a movie very similar to a James Bond movie, and it's the only movie I've watched in the last week. And it's one. I, this is my third time watching it, and I liked it the best this third time. And uh, be, because of the passing of Chadwick Boseman, also because it's being covered or was just covered on the Everything is Super podcast over on Post Show Recaps. I rewatched Black Panther over the weekend, and uh, I the first time I saw it, I was very underwhelmed by it. The second time I l- watched it, I liked it a little bit better. This time, I thought it was really good. I think that uh, I've not been giving this the credit that it deserves, and it's not just me saying that in the wake of Chadwick Boseman's passing, but just that uh, having watched a lot of MCU movies this week, there this year, it's uh, this one does a lot differently. It's just it has a very bright look that pops off the screen. The colors are awesome. And also having watched a lot of James Bond movies, this really does feel like a James Bond movie. And it feels inspired by James Bond. Uh, And then the second half feels inspired by kind of Lion King Shakespeare. And, you know, I just think especially that the scene where there's the the challenge out by the waterfall is just beautiful. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's really well done. And then there's two of those fights in the the movie. And uh, yeah, I appreciated that. Maybe it's because I have better TV now this time than the last time I watched Mm. it. Um, and yeah, banging soundtrack also great songs, yeah. um, which I've always liked the soundtrack and, uh, I appreciate the, the cast and what they were able to do with this movie as well. So yeah, and Ken- Kendrick Lamar was snubbed for an Oscar for that, right? Or did he win the Oscar for musical score? Yeah. I don't think he's like, yeah, but he should have won because it's an incredible soundtrack. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. It's, that's the thing that I really appreciated about Black Panther when I watched it a couple weeks ago as well is it's high up there because it's so unique and different than anything else the MCU had even done at that up to that point after 17 films you know to to it was a breath of fresh air just that they could still do something that unique and refreshing and visually stunning and you know especially with an all black cast and an amazing amazing set design production design costume design um, it's just it's a it's a real oh my god I'm gonna say it pun intended it's a marvel to mold you know um, um yeah I mean uh I am an unapologetic uh Black Panther defender um it is my number one rated of the MCU um it's you know it's yeah. it's more self-contained so it doesn't have like all of the like serial nature and like you know the references mm-hmm. and the callbacks and all the different characters coming mm-hmm. together the ways that make um like the last two avengers movies 
uh, so epic. But just as like a standalone superhero origin story that has great action scenes and an incredible cast with probably the best villain in all of the Marvel movies. I would agree. Um, and just, just I found this just to be very, you know, really. Um, just like tapped into like a lot of the cultural and political and social ideas that have been um, percolating in the air over the last five years, you know, mm-hmm. whether it has to do with, you know, nationalism versus globalism and, you know, um, embracing your cultural tradition versus, you know, reaching out to the world and the ways that, you know, a uh, a religion or a or a, cl- a closely held movement can get watered mm-hmm. down by bringing in outsiders and like how and kind of how you balance that. Um, I just thought it was like you know a real accomplishment and with Ryan Coogler and Michael B. Jordan. So we're uh, you know two two of the movies that we talked about are uh, have them. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's just I I think it was uh, an astonishing movie and I. Actually, like I, we, I thought about rewatching it uh, last week because of Chadwick Boseman, just didn't really get around to it. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm sure I'll uh, rewatch it sometime soon. Yeah, I um my my it's not in my top ten or it's close to my top ten list. Um, we'll see if it if it finishes there when I finish this MCU rewatch. Uh, but it's not my number one. Uh, that I do think it it does a lot, and I think Avi put it really well too, just about how this movie addresses a lot of the social and political ideas that are out there right now, mm-hmm. um, and were out there at the time when it was created, and to have that packaged in the highest grossing superhero movie of all time, and um, just in a way that is is very accessible and more accessible to people, I think that, sure. that's something that it does that that other superhero movies had not done, other MCU movies had not done. Um, yeah. And, you know, for me, it's sometimes hard for me to get out of my own perspective bubble, which a lot of us are. So, you know, when I, you know, I don't I don't even think about the the race element with this with most MCU movies and um, having an all black cast and all you know, mostly black crew. You know, it's just something that it, it's very unique that it did it, but it was hard for me to really grasp the significance of that at the time when it came out. Um, and. So, you know, I think the reason why I didn't like it the first time I saw it was more that it on a like MCU rating scale, it just didn't do as much as some of the other movies that I like uh, that have come out of that franchise. So and I still think the CGI in The Last Battle was terrible. And it really. Yeah. And that's, it really takes that's me why it's it. not. Yeah. That, the, the final battle is the reason that it's not higher on my list than it is, which is it's currently number five on my list. And let us let me be clear, the Lord of the Rings part of that battle is amazing. Like, the beginning part of the final battle is great. But the moment that you focus in on Killmonger and Chachala down in the train mine, right. it just is—it it just looks bad. It feels bad. It's just a CGI mess. And I do I'm like how they set up the train point. earlier in but, the movie, though, which is something I didn't notice the true. first time. And, you know, they, they talk about how the train deactivates vibranium. And so it, it does have some a nice bit of setup there. So I, I, that was something I hadn't caught the first time I saw it. Yeah. And it's, so it's number five on my list. But, um, you know, my, my, my list is pretty fluid. I change my mind every time I watch one of these movies. Something shifts. So, yeah. So Winter Soldier is still my number one. And yours, I think, is uh, Thor Ragnarok. Right. That is correct. It is still Thor Ragnarok. Um. It may change to Endgame after I watch Endgame again in a couple of weeks, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, but Endgame is number two, so really it's just like, it's Apple, it's, you know, 
it's oranges and oranges. You're just, you know. Yeah. Pick pick what you like. Be in the whatever you're in the mood for. Put that one mm-hmm. on. It's nice. It's nice if you have Disney Plus and mm-hmm. uh, you can just put on any of them whenever you feel like. Mm-hmm. It. Not any of them. Uh, except of them. any of them but Spider-Man. Yeah, most of <laughs> at them. At this point, no Spider-Mans. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, speaking of blood suckers like those spiders, oh. <laughs> this week's movie. Yeah, interview with a vampire. Um, it was my selection last week off of the Tropic Thunder, uh, the connection there. Tom Cruise is in both movies as well. Um, and I don't even remember what scene in Tropic Thunder Sympathy for the Devil plays in now, but I did write it down when I wrote down my connections last week. And then obviously this movie ends with Sympathy for the Devil. Although what I did not remember about Interview with a Vampire is that the Sympathy for a Devil that it does end with is not the Rolling Stones version, but a cover by uh, guns and roses that was not as good um, i did not remember that from the last time i saw this movie but either way it is about it is an epic tale of a couple vampires and their uh the years that go by as as lasat or lestat and Luis uh, go on their their lives as vampires or their afterlives as vampires and I don't know. I guess I mean it's, the whole movie is framed by uh, by Louis by Louis giving an interview. That's yeah. where the title comes from so, to Christian Slater's character in this movie. So let me um, ask you about that. And I guess this is probably from the book, and maybe it was done a little bit differently mm-hmm. in the book. Um, what was the point of the interview <laughs> part? Uh, part so they could call it interview with a vampire. Yeah, exactly. To, vampire. to me, like it li- it literally added zero to the movie to have it the interview framing. Yeah, I did. I do remember when I first saw this movie, I really liked that framing device. Mm. Um, And this time when I watched it, uh, yeah, I I wasn't sure. And I even wrote down in my notes, I said, why was Christian Slater there to interview him in the first place? Yeah, that was my other question. Like, they don't explain, like, where did this interview, like, how did he find him? How does he know who he is? Has he interviewed other people claiming (laughs) to be supernatural, you know, here? It was very strange, like the whole like framing of the movie as this this interview. And like it cuts it cuts back to a couple times just so like they could continue talking. But like just show the story if unless unless there's something substantial. And like obviously when it gets to the very end, I guess it ties in a little bit. But nothing even really comes to that other than, okay, I guess maybe there'll be a sequel where now Christian Slater is a vampire. I have no idea if that's what happens in subsequent movies. So there are the books, there are sequels Um, for the movie. There is a sequel that is called queen of the damned. And it's like the third book in the series. I believe Mm -hmm. I've obviously never read the books Um, from the little bit of research. I did see there was the second book is all about Lestat. So that's called the vampire Lestat. Yeah. Okay. That's what it's called. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I would imagine when they – well, this movie was a big hit, though, so maybe they weren't – I don't know why they never made the sequel because you would – I remember this being very popular at the time when it came out. I think Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt were both at points in their careers when they made this that when it was done, they were both such megastars that they were like, we don't need to do this again. And it would cost way too much money to get the two of us on the screen again. That's true. Because they they had to go on very different paths post this movie and never intersect again because they were the two biggest movie stars in the world. And they each were, you know, commanding millions upon millions upon millions in salary post this movie. Like this movie hit for the two of them at the perfect time. Especially Brad like, Tom Cruise was yeah. already a huge star when this Tom movie. Cruise was already a huge star, but he was sort of his career at this point was sort of seen as being taken um, as starting to wane back down post um, 
uh, A Few Good Men. So this is a couple years after that. And Ben, uh, sorry, not Ben Stiller. Um, Brad Pitt is really on on the yeah, on the Stiller. come up with this because he hasn't even done True Romance yet, like where he's a very minor character. And then two years later, he's got Seven and Fight Club, and that's when he really blows up. So that's it's sort and, of and the very next movie after this for Tom Cruise was Mission Impossible. Right, and exactly. Blood. Yeah, so, so he blew up as well. So that's why it's like it's like the perfect sliding doors moment for both these guys. Ooh, but he, yeah. but um, I, yeah, yeah, I think that was my big my big takeaway watching this. Uh, well, I had a couple big takeaways, but one was I was just kind of like, we got a movie with Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise in it, and this is what we got. And here's uh, the question: Have you ever been less interested in Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise on screen together? Has Brad Pitt ever been less interested in being on the screen than he is in exactly. this movie? I think is a better question. He didn't even seem to be enjoying himself. Like, uh, well, well, but that's it, part of that is the vampire. Part, like, of, part of that is the character. Part, part of, of that is, like, is the character. He's like a contrast with Cruz, who is like his usual like flamboyant, over the top, oh, yeah. energetic, like frenetic. Um, and Brad Pitt, by contrast, is like depressed and stoic. But it, it, it's like I was gonna say before when you're like, oh, maybe they they didn't do it because they couldn't get Brad Pitt. I was like, he was seems to me like to be a, re- a reluctant participant in this movie. So I don't know why mm-hmm. they could have just run it back again. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I found him to be like completely lifeless in this movie, and maybe it was just the contrast to um to Tom Cruise's performance, who's like so over the yeah. top. Um, but yeah, I was just like, this is probably one of the worst Brad Pitt or like at least least memorable to Brad Pitt performances that I could think of off the top of yeah, my head. Yeah, and then I think I think the irony in that is that when Anne Rice gave the rights to this to finally have it filmed around 1991-1992, and they the studio was really pushing for Tom Cruise to be with Stat, Anne Rice threatened to like pull her name off of the film. She was like. Tom Cruise, not in a million years. Like, why? This guy cannot be Lestat. Why is he? No, I refuse. And well, the studio wouldn't budge. And eventually, she was like, "Well, why don't you just have the two of them switch roles? Why don't you give Lestat to Brad Pitt and Louis to Tom Cruise?" And the studio's like, "Yeah, we're not doing that either." And so I, that made me wonder, what would it have been like if they had gone through with that? You know, if Brad Pitt had been Lestat and Tom Cruise had been Louis. I think it would have been a very different movie, and then, but I don't know if Brad Pitt could pull off the manic Tom Cruise mannerisms in this movie. I think it would have been a very different Lestat. What do you guys think? Well, so just 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 to take a step back, is there? Do you? I don't know. Did you either of you read the book? That this is based on? I did back in the okay. 90s, but I remember nothing about it. So what what is it about Tom Cruise that made Anne Rice say, no way, no, is Tom Cruise playing Lestat? Because she didn't like him as an actor, and she wanted it to be a, somebody older. Okay, she so pictured Lestat as being an older vampire. So it's not like that the right. the personality that we see from Cruise in this movie right. is not consistent with the book, is that or, or is it? Right. She wanted, like, Jeremy Irons, like someone more regal. And a little older with, like, gray in their hair. Uh-huh. Not the manic personality of Tom Cruise. She didn't want that energy. Got it. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, um, I would say there's no way, or not not no way, but it'll be hard to imagine um, Cruise playing the Pitt character, whereas I could easily see Brad Pitt playing Lestat. Like, he's, you know, may, may, maybe not exactly the same, but I think he can certainly have 
played like a more forceful character like that. I think he would have given it more menace, which is what you probably would have gotten by casting someone like Jeremy Irons. You know, like if we got Jeremy Irons, it would have been the Ozymandias character from um, Watchmen. Yeah, but he's a lot younger. Like it's, that's this also is, this is yeah. over twenty years ago. Right, but uh, Jeremy Irons was still pretty old in the mid nineties. Yeah. He's older he, than he Tom was. Cruise. He was the bad guy in uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Correct. Right? Yeah. So yeah, he's a good bit older than Tom Cruise. So I think that was part of it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't. I think Brad Pitt's performance didn't bother me that much. Because he was playing a depressed vampire. Like, he was this guy cursed to eternity who didn't even want to be alive when he was alive. And now he's cursed to be alive forever. And uh, they don't really go into why too much. I mean, um, they very briefly give his backstory. And I think that's one of the things I would have liked a little bit more in this movie is it told so much of, like, what happens in these couple hundred years between Mm -hmm. them. But what they told wasn't, like, the most interesting part of the story that they could have told right. uh, yeah and, and I, I even think like a prequel where you explore them before they're vampires would be interesting yeah especially more. brad pitt's character um yeah. you know, lestat i don't think you need i mean i'm sure there can be there's an interesting story to be told or movie to be made about his life before this but like you kind of know who he is you understand his motivations mm. um brad pitt um louis is the one that like for this movie to work, you need to like there's this like struggle between good and evil and like nature versus nurture. And without understanding what Brad Pitt's character was before he encounters the vampire for the first time, you kind of don't really understand that central tension of the movie. And it, it kind of falls flat because you don't really care. You don't care. And that's Brad part Pitt. of the problem with the narrative construct of the movie is that they're telling us, not showing us. You're uh, yeah. telling me who this guy is and that I should like everything I need to know about him, but you're not really showing me. Well, and it, and I mean, even if they're going to yeah. tell, if they're going to tell you, but make it that he's giving an interview, like it, it really is kind of like he gives, he, he starts off the movie and he's giving this interview and he's like, this is my life as a vampire. And right. then the, and then we come back at the end of the movie to closing out the interview, but there's not like, it doesn't really cut in and out throughout where he, he gives a lot of context. We're just kind of watching. Right. Uh, exactly. Watching it's all, it's a lot of tell, not show, and that's unfortunate. Um, and it just sort of the whole – a lot of the first hour of this movie is just like, okay, great, you're a vampire now. Let's get on with it. And then it finally does get on with it in, like, the last half hour. I thought it was really, really good, like, with Stephen Ray and Antonio Banderas and everything happening in Paris with these weirdo actor vampires – who are just like in this crazy cult. Yeah. That was all really interesting to me. Why wasn't that the whole freaking movie? Because right. That because, well, in that, that movie. ends up like, being that they, and I think there's a, there's a lot to talk about there, including Kirsten Dunst's character who we haven't even mm. brought up. Uh, a very young Kirsten Dunst plays Claudia, yeah. who is basically the daughter of uh, Lestat and Louis. Which is an yeah. interesting it, it's an interesting parallel. I think at the time probably it was taken as as this is this is kind of a, a metaphor for a gay couple that has a daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're seeing her also be cur- you know all of these all of these characters being cursed to this eternal life frozen at the age that they are when they become vampires. So you know mm-hmm. even though we see Claudia's character over you know thirty a hundred years get older, she's always a child and she never grows mm-hmm. out of a child. Um, and then the fact that she 
kills Louis but doesn't kill Louis or uh, Lestat. Lestat, yeah. Yeah, like which that stuff is all very confusing to me as well. But um, yeah. you know that th- this this group of theater vampires finds out about it and then the punishment scene. Yeah, that stuff was was interesting, but a lot of that was just not very well explained what went on there. Yeah, right. I, I think it, it was more. My my understanding is that the punishment was more for them turning her into a vampire in the first place. Because she was so young, like, they get mad. They're like, we don't turn someone that young. But. Oh, I thought the punishment was that she killed uh, Lestat and that and that Louis was part of it. OK, so maybe I was misunderstanding that then. Well, I, I, I it, they, it wasn't clear. So, yeah, it was not clear. Well, uh, what were you going to say about this, that part? Um, I just really felt like the whole basically when they leave and go to Paris, like that mm-hmm. felt like completely disconnected from the movie to me. And I was like, OK, well, let's see where this is going. And I was just like, well, this is just like a different movie. Um, right. um, I also thought the whole like, oh, we I killed you because you drank dead blood was just like a total like, oh, well, you didn't say that that's a thing until now. Right. Yeah. No, they did. They did they say that. About, they, oh, they did. They OK. Talk okay. A little, okay they talk a little about the rules at the beginning, but it's not laid out it wasn't laid out enough for my liking that like these really are the rules and these aren't the rules and like you know it, it they could have they could have clarified the rules of the real rules of being a vampire a little better i thought yeah well th- but, what i did like is that um louis at one point when he's talking to he's talking to malloy or uh, i don't know malloy i guess that's how you pronounce his name christian slater's character when yeah. he's telling him he brings up like the stereotypes of vampires like garlic and yeah uh, some of these things and is like yeah that's you know none of that's true but um i mean sunlight and then obviously drinking dead blood is uh are the things that can kill them and i actually do think that that is an interesting wrinkle to this, which is I have I, I don't watch a ton of vampire movies, but the idea that if mm. you that if you screw up and you drink dead blood, that's like a that's one of the few ways that a vampire can be killed. Uh, it's like right. they're like poisoned by that. Um, and, and you know I thought that was interesting. And then I also think like if you look at this movie really as a curse for these uh, for the people who become vampires, that they are trapped for eternity as vampires, right? And trapped in these bodies that they might not be happy with. Um, that it uh you know i think that 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 is that is an interesting part of this that that makes this tale a little bit more epic mm-hmm. i agree with that and i especially it makes it even more tragic for like kirsten dunce's character to be you know a 10 year old 12 year old girl trapped in this you know vampire lifestyle and Who's... i thought she whose mother her character yeah. her, her character's mom dies because right. of the plague because the plague exactly yeah out. and i thought i thought she did i actually thought she did a really good job i liked her performance um especially for a child actor child actors can notoriously be pretty annoying um in movies and tv shows i thought she did a really outstanding job um i know she was nominated for golden globe for this i don't think she won but she was nominated, and that's—I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that um, actually—that actually surprised me because I thought she—I mean, I, she was a kid actor. I thought she was just very like yelly in this, and um, I, it made sense. I mean, for the age she's at, with the lifestyle, you know, with the life she's in, um, it, it made sense for me for her to be that angry, um, especially with Lestat. I—I I, I did like too, um, having you know, being a Lost fan. Uh, this movie reminded me a lot of Abiturno, which is the Richard Alpert mm-hmm. story, and just telling a telling a tale over this long of a period of time. Yeah. I just wish what we got over the period of time was a little bit more interesting. 
I agree. Um, I, I will say that it actually, like, one of the things that this movie did to improve on the book, um, to make it a little less creepy, in the book, the Kirsten Dunst character is only five years old mm. when she's turned into a vampire, and I think that her being at least a preteen makes it a little more palatable. Um, but it's, it's still pretty creepy, the whole relationship with them and her. Um, but I can't imagine if they had actually stuck with the source material and made that character five years old. It, I don't think it would have been nearly as um, good at all. It would not. It, it would have gone very badly, I think. So I, I, and I forget Kirsten Dunst is as young. I mean, in this movie, yeah. she's probably what like ten years old in this movie. 10, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I just feel like between this and Spider Man coming out. You know, Spider-Man was in 2000, right? So, yeah. uh, oh no, Spider-Man was 2002. So Spider-Man was almost 10 years later. So, yeah. okay. Um, but she yeah, did do I, a lot I, of it. Spider-Man, she's you know. playing uh, a high school girl. So it's Yeah, not, but uh, that's like Beverly Hills 90210 high school. Yeah, age. yeah, yeah. Yeah, she, she had a pretty big 90s, though. I mean, she was in a lot of, um, you know, female-driven movies, uh, teen movies and such, romantic comedies and stuff like that. So she, she had a pretty big 90s. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's see, I don't really have a ton of questions for you guys on this movie. Um, you know, so uh, did you prefer the first half to the second half then? Did you um, I, yeah, I think I did. I was definitely at least engaged in like the first half of the movie and just like wanted to see where things go. Um, one day when they went off to Paris, I kind of lost interest in the movie. I think the movie loses focus. Um, I think it's, you know, this movie is probably overly long based on the yeah. story it tells. Mm-hmm. Um, the like the central conflict of the movie that we you know I mentioned before of like you know confronting whether you know evil is inherent in us or you know all these yeah. different things it just kind of like repeats itself over and over and as you said in a in a movie that like takes place over hundreds of years to see like these characters like still confronting the same basic tension in their lives hundreds of years later uh, yeah. doesn't really make much sense or I guess if it does that's just even even bleaker existence but you you would expect to see some sort of character development and growth over that amount of time like you should at some point become accustomed to the life that you've been living for hundreds of years and there's no way out of and you know come to terms with it yeah the idea of like a reluctant vampire is interesting uh which is what louis is in the beginning of this movie he won't Mm -hmm. even you know he won't kill humans he's eating rat blood and killing animals until he's uh he finally does kill uh uh thandy newton's character i believe that was his first kill um Mm. and uh it's, you know, so I thought I thought it was interesting seeing him be reluctant and then, um, you know, still even after he's had his first kill to still hate Lestat and to have this this rivalry with him. Although I just didn't feel like the rivalry was built up to the point where when at the end of the movie, when they see each other and Lestat is old and decrepit, yeah. um, having somehow survived, which I don't really understand how that happened, like why they have this. I guess rivalry, and that's what the end of the movie is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What did you? What did you, Brennan? What did you think of the end of the movie? Do you think the end more, of the movie is saying this is like an eternal battle between these two vampires? I think it is. I think it's a legacy thing. I think it's a this. It's it's about the cycle. Lestat keeping the cycle going, where he is basically destroying anything that we likes or is holding dear or chooses to see as pure so he's now corrupted christian slater's character just like he did the young girl 
to basically fuck with Willie and his wife. Yeah, I um. It's a narrative cycle of the two of them. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I get that. I just think it's um, it just wasn't. I mean, it just to me wasn't very well set up. Like, what if this is like if this movie was told more that it's like we have the reluctant vampire and then he he and the vampire who turned him like have this eternal feud. Right. Uh, but it's just it's just kind of like he just showed up out of nowhere, killed Christian Slater's character in the car or attacked Christian Slater's character in the car and then turned him into a vampire. And then we're supposed to th- and then we're just supposed to be assuming that that's like his new like the guy on his team. Yeah, we're not really ever given a why is the problem. Like, right. We're not we're not given a reason to really care that Lestat is even still alive. Like that's part of the problem. Is that if Lestat was just dead and gone, and the movie ended with Louis biting, popping out of the back seat and biting Christian Slater, I think that's an ending I can more get behind. Yeah, I think that's because a much better it would ending. subvert because it would subvert the expectation that you had going into the ending, and uh, th- to have Tom Cruise just show up out of nowhere and and to look like he did at the beginning of the movie really does take you out of it and go, okay, I don't understand anything that I just watched for the last two hours. Like yeah, it's it bothered me a little. Yeah, I think that's I think that's actually a much better ending because that tells the story mm-hmm. of Louis going from this reluctant vampire, living hundreds of years, acclimating to society, being able there. to watch the sunrise because it's on TV, and realizing that he's cursed like this forever, so he embraces being a vampire, and then yeah. um, having this heel turn where he turns on Christian Slater, kills him, and then he's the one who's driving off with uh, sympathy for the devil playing makes a lot more sense. It makes a lot more sense to me too. Uh, what do you think? Is that a better ending? Yeah, let's let's rewrite it. All right, let's rewrite let's it. Sequel time, baby. Yeah. Um, I do think too, like we're talking about uh, uh, the music, which obviously was the connection. That song, mm-hmm. that song made no sense in this movie because the rest of the movie is like a, a a very good. I like the score quite a bit, but it's like an instrumental score that fits with the time. And I, I mm-hmm. guess you could say that because the end of this movie takes place in the like quote unquote present that. They would play Guns N' Roses, but um, it was the only sense of any music with even lyrics that was in this movie was over the closing credits. Yeah, I'll say I think that if the point is that Lestat is the devil, I have no sympathy for him. So, yeah, (laughs) he's not he's not sympathetic at all. So I don't I don't know. Maybe it's an ironic sympathy. Louis is much more sympathetic. He right. didn't want to be a vampire in the first place, and he just made a yeah. drunken decision one night to agree to be a vampire. Um, right. You know, temptation. He drank from that from that poison he drank cup. From the forbidden cup. Forbidden yeah. fruit. Yeah. What What I'll say is that I did really love speaking of that scene in the beginning. I really loved the way the film was shot, as far as um, using New Orleans and the areas around New Orleans as a setting. Yes. Um, it's a beautifully shot movie as far as, you know, the old plantation style mansions and the marshlands and then even using downtown New Orleans and the actual buildings that were down there to shoot in. Um, they It's a beautifully uh, production designed movie as well as the costumes. Like I, I'll have, you know, the costumes connect to a couple of movies we've covered so far um, as well as the time period and the setting. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was a, a really beautifully shot movie. I, I do really appreciate that. Like, that's one of the things that's going to 
save it from really being in the bottom for me. Um, right. No. And I think for me too, like that's what I really liked about it the first time I saw it, because I do mm-hmm. remember really liking this movie like so much so that I own the DVD. I've never watched the DVD uh, until this mm-hmm. week, but I bought it at some point from probably like one of those Best Buy three for 25 deals right. way back when <laughs> those were a thing. And so I, I did like this movie when I first saw it. And I think what I liked about it was just that it does tell an epic story over a long period of time. The difference is when I saw it, I was like 20 years old and I hadn't seen a lot of epic stories told over a a long period of time. Now I've seen a lot more and this one just kind of falls flat. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I definitely agree with Brad that like the, the the like the gothic aesthetic and the sh- and the, the way the film is shot is really beautiful, and that along with I guess the Tom Cruise performance and to the lesser extent the Kirsten Dust performance I guess saves the movie a little bit from itself and makes it at least watchable. Like the first mm-hmm. like hour of the movie is like is highly watchable, like it's entertaining and you kind of like you want to see where the story is gonna go. Um, it just like doesn't really add up to much in the end. Yeah, I don't think I was ever really bored watching this. I will say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I, I, I never really like looked at my phone or like I, tuned out of it. Um, there was a little bit a, in the middle where I sort of tuned out, but once Kirsten Dunst had her like temper tantrum about not being able to age or cut her hair, I was mm-hmm. back in. Yeah, that I was, was back I, in. I, I like yeah, that scene. It was, it was really good. Yeah. And the concept of vampires who are pretending to be actors playing vampires on stage in Paris. I, I like that concept. I loved it. I thought it was yeah. so clever. I loved and it. that the the show that, that people are watching was actually like vampires killing yeah. somebody. But the audience, I couldn't tell if the audience enjoyed it because they all kind of just walked out silently. What, I mean, so. what does that say? I think it's definitely a good commentary on modern media and how we um, cover like cover shows, like cover the lot like things things that are happening in real life and sort of the um, detachment that we can have sometimes in watching terrible things. So like this movie yeah. knew that Survivor and Big Brother were just around the corner and it's like you're so going to want to watch yeah. real people doing yeah. terrible things to each other and right. you're going to cheer for it. I meant more like our obsession with like true crime stuff where we like turn on a movie uh, a show where somebody's being horribly murdered and there's a search for the killer like that sort of thing like the yeah are any of are either of you uh, wanting to watch Queen of the Damned as like the sort of sequel to this movie? It's on my list as a potential connection. Um, I've never seen it. I've never and seen it. Ju- and it, we are nearing uh, October, which is the spookiest month. Of it the is year. the spookiest month. Of the year. Um, it is the spookiest month of the year. So I was going to suggest it just to have that on the docket. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've already mentioned it a couple of times. So I think it's probably on all three of our lists. Um, but let's not get to that yet. But I, I mean, I would watch it even if we're not going to cover it for the podcast. I'd probably watch it. Just, you know, why not? Uh, what's your uh, relationship with vampire movies? Are you a vampire fan? Um, not particularly. I'm not against it, um, but I don't necessarily seek them out. Um I liked From Dust Till Dawn a lot, although yeah, that's, that's, good. that's not okay. a, a vampire movie until like the last right. third of it. True. Um, Is that still considered it. a spoiler for that movie? Yeah, no. sorry. Yeah, I it's mean, a, it's, it's, it's happened out for like 25 years, so. I think it's also a different kind of vampire movie where it's survival horror rather than you're in a haunted house with a bunch of vampires and tra- they're trying to turn you into vampires. Like, it's very different than, like, Dracula. Mm-hmm. Like, I think of that more as, like, a zombie horror type and, movie. Even though it's and Dracula vampire. actually came yeah. up on our list uh, off of well, Apocalypse Now because it's Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah. So, um, yeah. which I've never, I've never seen that version of Dracula. Um, yeah. I have seen Nosferatu, which was actually in this movie. There was a clip from Nosferatu in this movie. Um, 
and that's that's a very very old vampire movie very creepy as well and i mean i i actually forgot and had to look it up because i thought it came out the same year if not a year after but buffy the vampire slayer actually came out two years before this movie Hmm. it came out in 1992 and And i've never i've never actually seen that the show or the movie but i know people love the show yeah and the the movie is 100 percent camp yeah but you know it's it's fun i like the movie Um, i will say too with this movie and it's actually one of the bigger points i meant to bring up earlier um i think i laughed at this movie a lot more than i was supposed to Um, i think that makes sense and I think that is due to uh, one of the movies that's going to be on my list. Um, but just some of the modern depictions of vampires, like there can be very goofy when you think about it. Like when mm-hmm. you watch this movie and you just kind of step back at like what is on screen, there were times like especially the very first shot of Tom Cruise in 1791. Like I wrote down, mm-hmm. down specifically, like when his character shows up, I just started laughing. And I was like, I am definitely not supposed to be laughing right now. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, we are getting towards Vampire Month, and it is it is interesting that, you know, vampires have been a big part of media for, uh, like, especially, like, the the, the yeah. changes, like, with Twilight coming out, you know, that, that, like, that was more like Interview with a Vampire, just the, like, sexualization yeah. of vampires. Yeah, and, and True Blood is somewhere in the middle, I guess, between mm-hmm. Buffy the Vampire Slayer and this um but that was a really hit show also takes place around in the same um that was in new orleans uh, as well yeah new orleans yeah it yeah. takes place in the same area of the country i was um, trying to remember have we done any other movies that take place in new orleans um not off the top of my head no. yeah i was trying to think if we had um so far in this like it's it's getting to the point now where we've covered so many movies on this podcast right. like this is our 36th where i really need to have the ladder in front of me to remember like everything that we've covered yeah and it's it's funny because i don't think there are a ton of really good movies set in this area is that and the, you know feel free to tell me i'm wrong listeners i don't think there are a ton of really great movies set in, in new orleans so yeah it's well nice that- to have not yes. set in not set in New Orleans, but uh, the room was written directed by Tommy Wiseau, who is from New Orleans. Right. Well, that came up that came up <laughs> last week as well. I'm from New Orleans. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Also, any, anything else on? Uh, yeah, that movie set in San Francisco. Oh uh, yeah, so the room else? is a, the room is a good connection. And this movie opens in San Francisco, so there you go. And ends in San Francisco, right? Or, <laughs> oh no, it's back. San Francisco. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, with Slater. Um, all right. Anything else you guys want to talk about about this movie um, before we get into feedback connections? Not really. Um, what's I like I said, I, I really wish we had gotten more of Antonio Banderas and Stephen Ray and that whole part because I really enjoyed their characters. Um, they were very, I thought they were very unique and interesting. Um, take on vampires that the first three quarters of the film didn't really give us. And it, it was just so different tonally. I wanted to spend more time in that world. Um, yeah, it's, it's surprising because Antonio Banderas was a big star. And he's really... In, like, 90, in 94, though? Like, he's this was one of his first movies, I feel like, or at least okay. in the U.S. I yeah. think, let's see, Antonio Banderas... This was one of his first movies in the U.S. He's doing a lot of sorting by release date. Yeah. Um, let's see, so Antonio Banderas is his first... Um, yeah, that's true. A lot, I haven't heard of before this movie uh he wasn't uh, philadelphia he was in philadelphia before this yeah, but this movie did come out before desperado um, yeah and El speaking Mary of Andrew. speaking yeah. of from dust till dawn he yep. started, i mean that's a that's a connection to both of those so um yeah i guess he wasn't that big of a star yet 
All right. Uh, well, let's get into uh, feedback and connections for this movie. Um, and uh, we just have feedback from a couple people, unless anything's come in while we've been recording. It has not. All right. So the uh, first bit of feedback we got was from Jeff. I found out after we picked this movie that Jeff hates vampire and zombie movies. And uh, so thank you, Jeff, for watching this, even though you hate vampire movies. And, <laughs> uh, his feedback reflects his taste in vampire movies. It says, I do not know if there's a movie I've sat through and watched in its entirety that I hated more than this one. I don't think the acting <laughs> was particularly good. The story and the plot was not anything better and anything that was compelling. And the ending was bad. How did Tom Cruise's character get all the way better? What happened to Brad Pitt? I really don't care, but it seems like a hole in an otherwise terrible plot line. If I could give this a negative rating, I would. I kept thinking, I'm going to have nightmares for this crappy movie. Uh, I will give it a 1.0, which I believe is the lowest, which you can give on Letterboxd. It is the lowest. That you can give Don't tell him about the half-star capability. Um, yeah, I guess, what did happen to Louis? Like, so Louis gets pissed off at Christian Slater's character. Right, and, and says, yeah, says, I'm going to let you live, yada, yada. And then, yeah, that's it. You don't really know. Yeah, and then just goes off. And I I mean, I guess we're supposed to assume that, like, these two are going to have, like, a battle. You know, like, they're going to be these, like, uh, trying to think of a good comparison where it's, like, two people who battle for eternity against each other, like a Highlander type thing. Uh, you mean, like, a Jacob and a Man of Yes, this. There, there we go. That, that was exactly <laughs> what was uh, So, yeah, maybe they're going to go to the island. Who knows? Maybe they are. Yeah. Is All that right. where the lamp post is? Is it in uh, San Francisco? Uh, New Orleans. Oh, yeah, San Francisco also. Yeah, oh, wow. You're right. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Molly wrote in and she said, I remember being disappointed by Interview with the Vampire the first time I saw it. On a rewatch, I like it even less. I've read the book, and while Tom Cruise does an okay acting job as Lestat, physically he just seems very wrong for the part. I don't think the vampire hair and the makeup is very good. It was all just a lot of long hair and creepy contacts. I was so bored of Brad Pitt and everything else about this movie. Did anyone really care what happened to any of the characters? I'll admit the best part was the very end when Lestat comes back and drives off with Christian Slater. I would actually be interested uh, in seeing what they do next. Two stars for Molly. Maybe, I, I think I agree. If we had gotten to see what happens next, I wouldn't have necessarily hated that ending. But because we didn't, I hate this ending. See, um, I like that the ending leaves it open. I just don't think it was like, set, like it, it's like a, it's an right. interesting twist that Lestat is still alive. Right. I just don't think it's like, A, we already saw Lestat was alive and he's like decrepit, right. but then he's, he's better. But also, we don't know how he's alive. And then if he's alive and Antonio Banderas' vampires can read minds, then they should have – I guess they would have read – they were reading Louis' mind that they had killed Lestat and not Louis' mind if he was successful at it. But uh, right, Also, exactly. why is he picking on this poor reporter? Who cares? Well, well he's yeah, giving exactly. him the gift of eternal life, and he tells him yeah. – Yeah, but says, why look, him? Uh, because he knows the story. He knows – I guess because he knows all the secrets of a vampire – because for whatever reason, he had an interview with a vampire that was Might as well make him one. Yeah. Well, one thing I will say uh, to Molly's feedback with the performances of Tom Cruise. Um, so Anne Rice did finally watch this movie after it came out, despite her protestations at the casting of Tom Cruise, and actually loved Tom Cruise's performance and called him and apologized for hmm. like saying that he could never be with Stock because she... It, what she was like, it's not the Lestat I had in mind, but it's absolutely Lestat, and now there will never be another Lestat. Mm -hmm. Tom Cruise. I'm like, uh, or you just got brainwashed by Tom Cruise into saying that you liked it. I mean, I can see Lestat like jumping up and down on a couch. 
Right, exactly. Yeah, he does but, bring the energy. But, uh, <laughs> you know, as Molly said, like, uh, that, you know, Lestat just seems like he's really physically wrong for the part. That kind of reminds me of everything I've heard about Jack Reacher, which I did see the Jack Reacher movie, but have not read the book. Mm. But basically, like, Tom Cruise is not at all what Jack Reacher is described as in the book. That's so, people just get entranced by Tom Cruise. Yeah, people just love Tom Cruise. There you go. All right, and then Jim sent in a uh, – he said, oh, Jim did watch it this week. My bad. Yeah, uh, Jim said, this was fun to revisit. I'm giving it 3.5 stars. It does its thing pretty well. So, uh, Well, that's going to give us a listener average of a two. Two. All right. Yeah. We don't even have one from Olin. Olin didn't watch this movie. This yeah, Olin, Olin was the one that actually skipped it. This and week. we had an Irish director. I, was, I wrote that no, down. Right? That was the very first thing I wrote down was we have an Irish director <laughs> of Interview with the Vampire, Neil Jordan. And I was like, oh, Olin's going to like that. But um apparently not all right well i will give my rating first um i i don't know i feel like i've said everything i have to say on this movie i just think like it is like the carcass after it's been feasted on that just didn't have the meat on it and uh for as long as this movie was that's not a very good uh thing to come away with result so uh, i'm gonna give this a two as well match listeners uh yeah i'm right there uh two is about as low as I'm willing to go because of, you know, I, I really think Tom Cruise is really great in it. Um, and the, you know, as I said, like the gothic effects and the, just like the aesthetic of the movie and the way it's shot, I think uh, rises it above like complete garbage that like, and it's entertaining yeah. enough that like you're interested while you're watching it. Um, you just like, then you finish the movie and you're like, well, that wasn't like the best use of my time. Um, and Brad Pitt's lifeless performance here is really forgettable. Um, so yeah, it's not going to go much higher than that. Um, so yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go with a two as well. Um, I was thinking maybe two and a half, and then I was like, well, Tropic Thunder was a two and a half. And I think even though I didn't love that, I think this is, it was probably a little bit better than this. Cause at least yeah, Tropic Thunder was better. Than uh, you at least had some fun with Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Um, this was just like kind of a dirge. Yeah. And I, I, I hate to like, you know, be the, uh, you know the 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 echo chamber here, but I I was actually coming into this with a two as well. Um, and like you said, um, there's a lot that I liked. Um, as far as the set design, the production design, the costuming was all really well done. Tom Cruise does give a pretty good performance, even if he's a little tonally different than what the movie I think was even go, trying to go for. Um, it's just not. I mean that that and actually I have written down in my notes is a final 30 minutes that you absolutely loved because of the climax enough to make up for an otherwise boring ass movie. And that's kind of what this felt like. And that, that was going to be my question to you guys is, do you think that if, you know, is the climax of a movie enough to make up for an otherwise ho-hum first three quarters? Um, And for me with this, it's just not, and it's not enough to put it above a two. But I'd be curious what you guys think. Like, is there any movie you can think of where the last actress really saves it and makes it a great movie? I feel like there is, and I feel like it's one that we talked about on this podcast, but I'm not sure what it would be, and I'm just trying to think. Mm-hmm. But I, I do feel like there have been times when I've watched the movie and been like, yeah, it wasn't that good, but then the end, it really, mm-hmm. really picked up. I feel like, was Insomnia like that? Yeah, yeah. Insomnia was like that. I would say that with Insomnia, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, and I like the score too. I want to make sure I, I did bring it up, but I think mm. the score actually works really well in this movie. Um, and 
it was just something I noticed as I was watching it. Yeah, so we are uh, sweeping it, and we're all giving it a two. Wow. Yeah, speaking of scores, we give it a two. So, uh, all right, what connections? We just brought up Insomnia. Um, I have a couple connections that I wrote down, and um, we already talked about Sympathy for the Devil, which was the that, and Tom Cruise was the connection. I also wrote down as a mm. more specific connection, Tom Cruise looking ugly. Um, like, <laughs> because, you know, and obviously in Tropic yeah, Thunder, he's... Bad makeup, he's, Tom Cruise, yeah. yeah. Um, and in this, like, he's wearing a lot of makeup. And I guess he's supposed to look attractive in this movie, but he's just, like, really pale and gross. Um, so, yeah, yeah I, also, I, put, I also put that. I think, um, you know, the, the the narration slash someone writing this story down, whether it's true or not, for a novel, you know, yep. that connects it to both uh, Tropic Thunder and uh, Apocalypse Now. Yeah, I put, um, I put same sort of as well as a connection. Yeah, there. the same sort of narrative construct. Um what else for Tropic Thunder? I didn't really have too much. Um, yeah. uh, uh, the play, a big the fiery, play. The big fiery scene as well. Was yeah. There, Tropic Thunder. Um, yeah, the stage play. Yeah, that's a good um, one. There's a stage play, Tropic Thunder. Yep. Um, uh, yeah, and then, and then I, yeah, like we just talked about it, but based on a book, so based on the Anne Rice novel, and then mm-hmm. the movie in Tropic Thunder is allegedly based on a book. So right. it's kind of a loose connection, but yeah. But it's also being written as it's going on with the Nick Nolte character and the Christian Slater character. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember Iowa? I love that he had an <laughs> Iowa tape recorder. I was like, oh, yeah, I used to have an Iowa, like one of those yeah, tower, right. like it was like a CD changer with two. Yeah, uh, exactly. Was like, oh, yep. Mid 90s. <laughs> love it. Yeah. yeah, the boombox. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so I also wrote down for Tom Cruise, like in addition to being in Collateral and Top Gun, but he had light hair in this movie, just like he has light hair in Collateral. I think it's the only two movies where Tom Cruise has like very strange hair color. Yeah, we uh, you know, we we love Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise on this uh, yes on this podcast. So you know, lots of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood connection um with Brad Pitt. Um, a fiery revenge scene. Fiery know. revenge scene. Good job. Yeah. Uh, also, 1791 when this movie starts is yeah. not too far off from when Hamilton takes place. Uh, yeah, I had that written down as well as the costumes are very Hamilton esque. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. Any other uh, connections? There were no trains in this movie that I noticed. Hmm. And, I noticed. Uh, and I don't think we've been to Paris at all in this podcast. I'm well, Jim, Jim Morrison is buried in Paris. Oh, all right. There you okay. go. Yeah. Uh, and pro- actually, pro- there's probably Paris in Brothers Bloom. Or yeah, Brothers. there is. There's train. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's all I really have. Yeah. So yeah, and then and then we did bring up sliding doors in real life um, yeah. from this movie. So oh, one other thing that I was thinking, do you guys think we bring this up sometimes on this podcast? Mm-hmm. Do you think like an Anne Rice uh, Amazon show or Hulu show would be good? Um, I don't know if it would be good, but I think it, it's it could definitely be more successful than this because I think one of our main yeah. complaints was just like not fleshing stuff out a little. Yeah. And like if this is a if this was a movie that that forget the interview framing device just kind of like episode one was kind of like gave you like an overview of like um mm. lestat's uh, backgrounds mm-hmm. and then kind of like at the very end and maybe then episode two i don't know how they do it you do some sort of flashback you you know you probably yeah. have to like start with them together brad pitt and tom cruise and then like you'd flat you'd have like one episode that flashback and show tom cruise's background and one that's his and then like and then it goes forward starting with them in it together yeah um and you could tell this like really epic sweeping story of of their relationship and you would 
it would be grounded or maybe it would be lost style and like you would have intermittent flashbacks throughout yeah, to kind of show their, yeah. show their life before being vampires. Well, and especially actually, if you have if there's other books in the series, too, it yeah. just seems like intellectual property that really could be primed for uh, for a TV series. Yeah, it does actually seem really interesting that it hasn't been developed yet, given especially like, you know, five, ten years ago with the most recent vampire boom with everything Twilight that blew up with um, all of those books that they didn't develop a uh, Anne Rice um, TV show. Oh, well, funny. We we should talk about this. Or did they? Uh, I just Googled (laughs) Anne Rice streaming. (laughs) And in May of this year, which of course, like there was a lot going on in May, uh, AMC Networks has acquired the the rights to Anne Rice's two iconic supernatural book series, The Vampire Chronicles and The Mayfair Witches. The company announced Wednesday the deal includes 18 titles from both franchises, including Interview the Vampire, The Vampire Lestat, Queen of the Damned, and The Witching Hour, paving a way for interconnected TV universe similar in the vein of CW's Arrowverse and AMC's The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead, yeah. There you go, AMC. Good job. So I would imagine with The Walking Dead wrapping up that this might be the next... uh, The next big thing they try to do. Yeah, Yeah, we're going from zombies to vampires. I like it. We'll see what uh, happens. Yeah, we'll see if anybody t- if anybody tunes into that show. Let us know how it is. I probably won't. But if there know. are twelve seasons of Interview with the Vampire, though, I don't know if I'm down for that. Fear the Fear the Walking Vampires. Oh well. God. Yeah. All <laughs> right. Well, with that, uh, so Interview with the Vampire does average out to a two. Everybody's in alignment this week, which is always nice when that happens. I think that's happened a lot lately. Yeah. We've it's, it's happened a few times. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's get into our listener connections and our ladder. So we'll pick the movie that we will be watching next week on this podcast. Of course, once we do pick that movie, if you have any feedback on it or comments, questions, suggestions for next movies, send them to us at LadderMovie on Twitter or TheMovieLadder at gmail.com. All right. So for our listener connections, we're leading off with Jeff. He says, for Brad Pitt, how about Ocean's Eleven? For Antonio Banderas, The Mask of Zorro, which I have never seen, but I know Mac mm-hmm. really likes that movie, and I yeah. have put that on my watch list. So, and, uh, yeah. And he said, for Christian Slater, Broken Arrow, which I did not know anybody else remembered Broken Arrow besides. Yeah, him. that's him and uh, Travolta on a plane, right? Uh, yeah, it's like, um, I think. It's like a stealth jet or something? Yeah, it goes missing. Yeah. yeah and it's what's okay. called The Broken Arrow because it goes missing. It's like a fun 90s action movie, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've seen it. I couldn't tell you anything else about it. Um, yeah. Also, shout out to Christian Slater because Mr. Robot is an awesome show, and he was on that yeah. show. If you haven't watched for a show, to, watch us. Yeah, if you're looking for a show to, to binge, don't watch the Vampire Chronicles on AMC. Check out Mr. Robot. So, all right, and then Molly sent in three. She sent in. They are all vampire movies. Let the right one in, mm-hmm. which was the basis of the American movie Let Me In. It's a Swedish kid vampire movie. I did see Let Me In. I did not see Let the Right One In. Uh, Only Lovers Left Alive, that's uh, Jim Jarmusch's movie starring yep. Tilda Swinton and uh, Tom Hiddleston, where they're vampires. I believe this is like kind of basically the last part of Interview with the Vampire, where it's vampires in the modern world. Yes. For a long time. Yeah. So. That was on my uh, was going to be on my list, so on I'm, I'm one down now. Nice. Yeah, Mo- and, Molly's uh, Molly's got some good good ones here, so I was really happy. Yeah, and then her third one is A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. It is a 2014 Iranian vampire movie. I remember seeing a trailer for this, and I had no idea it was a vampire movie, but I do know people really liked it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, that's uh, that's been one I've been wanting to see, but I've not seen it. So, And then uh, Jim, 
Jim sent in for his suggestion. Uh, he is going with the Kirsten Dunst movie he's never seen. That is The Virgin Suicides, directed by Sofia Coppola. And he said, it sounds like another movie focused on dying or not quite dying uh, young. And it stars uh, Kirsten Dunst and another member of the Coppola family as well. There you go. Um, oh, Olin did write in. Okay. So Olin did not. Uh, he just Olin didn't did, watch the movie. Yeah. He didn't watch the movie. Okay. So Olin says, as an Irish guy, my link is going to be Neil Jordan, the writer-director, who's probably one of the most significant Irish figures in Ireland, uh, <laughs> along with fellow <laughs> director Jim Sheridan in the 80s and 90s. Both of Jordan's films before and after Interview with the Vampire were quite notable. I would either I would be here for either uh, and or for being groundbreakingly global. All right. So the first recommendation is a cry, is The Crying Game. Mm-hmm. The film tr- focuses on the troubles in Northern Ireland. It was a surprise hit with Jordan winning the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay. And a young Forrest Whitaker stars as a British soldier. And it uh, deals with themes including honor among enemies and soldier getting disillusioned from his cause but not being able to fully escape. The other one is one that has come up on this podcast before. Uh, among other things. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, and then the other one that he suggested is Michael Collins. This was this came up before. I can't remember what yeah. other – it was a link to Hamilton. Yeah. Um, it is an all-star historical biopic. Yep. Um, how do you guys pronounce biopic? I say biopic. 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 I used to say, I used to say biopic because um, I think it sounds cooler, yeah. but I think biopic is probably right. Yeah. All right. Uh, um, historical biopic. biopic. Uh, and Liam Neeson is uh, in the titular role. Alan Rickman and Julia Roberts are also mm-hmm. in there, focuses on a battle, both politically and with army between Britain and Irish Republic, uh, Republicans in the aftermath of World War One was a massive hit in Ireland. Yeah. So. Those are our listener connections. Um, Av, on your last connections as a regular host on this podcast, do you want to go first or last? Um, I could go first. Um, do I? How does it work? Do I get to then pick at the end, or uh, oh, yeah. I guess I, I guess I yep. shouldn't because now you get to pick. I'm, you get to curse us eternally with yeah, whatever movie. Yeah. yeah. You, oh, okay. All right. That sounds yeah. fun. And, and maybe we pick one game. that you want to see, and then you just come back just, next week. Just, just kidding. Just just jump out of the that back would of the be, car uh, and bite us both on the back. <laughs> Yes, that would be uh, anticlimactic. Every uh, week we say it's your last episode, and then you just keep <laughs> yeah, coming yeah. back. Oh, well, I want to see that and talk about it. So. Yeah. Um, okay. yeah. The door is always open, as, as I right. said earlier. So anytime, you just have to stay on top of what we're watching next. So I have three more suggestions, since uh, Only Lovers Left Alive was uh, suggested by somebody else. Um, I will suggest Forgetting Sarah Marshall for the uh, vampire rock opera that Jason yes. Siegel's character is writing. Um, I will suggest uh, another two movies I have not seen. One is A Streetcar Named Desire, which takes place in New Orleans. And Marie Antoinette, another Sofia Coppola movie uh, starring Kirsten Dunst and takes place in France. Nice. I like all three of those connections. All right. I will go next, I guess. Um, So I wrote down one, two, three, four, five, six, nine movies. I'm not bringing all nine. I just... This one, this one, there's a lot to connect to from this. Uh, so one that was on there that I will not bring because it's already been suggested is The Mask of Zorro. Yeah. Write that down. Um, another, I just don't think the connections are strong enough, but I went with the idea of interview, and that was Frost Nixon. So I'm not using that one either. Um, I also wrote down Brad Pitt Devil Movie, and I couldn't even remember what that was called. I had to check. That is the called Devil Zone. No. Uh, yeah, Meet Joe Black. Black. It's, it's on my short list as well. I'm not. 
Yeah, it's uh, on my short list as well. Yeah, it didn't have very good ratings, so skipping yeah. that one. Um, and the other one I wrote down um, that I'm not going to do is uh, The Dark Knight Rises. I thought The Pit reminded me of The Prison in The Dark Knight Rises, but that's kind of a weak connection. Oh, Lord. I wouldn't mind, yeah. I wouldn't mind revisiting that. Um, <laughs> So let's say still five on here. Um, so one I have to do is this okay. is the one that is why I laughed so much watching this movie. It is a great uh, mockumentary parody of vampires. Yeah. I've also been watching the show lately. It is hilarious. Uh, Brendan's already started writing it into the doc because he knows what it is. It is What We Do in the Shadows, Taika Waititi's vampire mockumentary. Fantastic. If you've not seen this, this will ruin vampire movies for you because it is just such a good uh, parody of satire of vampire movies. So the next is another Brad Pitt movie that takes place in New Orleans and uh, has to do with him aging a certain way. Uh, and it's a movie I really liked at the time, but people don't seem to like it. That's the curious case of Benjamin Button. Yeah, I did. not like that. Yeah, I, I remember liking it when I saw it in the theater. I liked parts of it. it I haven't okay. seen it since it came out. Um, David Fincher's. Uh, I'll also go with Francis Ford Coppola's, Coppola's Dracula again, um, just to give Jeff nightmares, basically. Oh, there was one thing in that. Um, although now that I now that I like Apocalypse Now so much, I really do want to see all the other FFC movies. Mm-hmm. So, and the last one uh, I will go with is not Legends of the Fall. I did think about Legends of the Fall, but yeah, uh, good connection to that. Uh, I'm gonna go with Death Becomes Her because it is an early '90s uh, half sci-fi, half horror, half uh, not really sci-fi, half horror, right. half like comedy. Um, but it's about eternal life. And this one, instead of being about two men, this is one's about two women. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, yeah, Legends of the Fall was on my short list just because uh, it's narr- it's got the narrative element like this movie does, and it's also Brad Pitt, and I just really like that movie. I mean, it's I don't think it's a very good movie, but I think it. I've never seen it. I've, I don't know about movie. it. Um, and there's another one like that as well that he did around the same time called A River Runs Through It. That's about fly fishing. Okay, um, yep. That I also really like. It's one of those movies that, like, it's one of, one of those movies that, like, your sister makes you sit down and watch because it's on HBO and you end up seeing it a dozen times because it's always streaming. I don't have um, a sister. Yeah, well, if you did, you'd have watched both of those movies sister. a million times. Sister. <laughs> anyway. Uh, my, so, daughter, uh, my daughter just started watching Sister, Sister because it's on oh, Netflix. Remember uh, that? Yeah, I like Sister, Sister. It's like yeah, it's, the, the twins. Right. And they yeah, do, they it's, like, it's, like the, it's like the Parent oh, Trap. Oh, yeah, the, the Marys, yeah. Uh, has so, she watched Parent Trap yet? Yeah, of course. Oh, okay. Yeah, she watched the uh, the older version. Actually, no, she watched, I think she watched both of them. The, the, the Liz Lohan one was good, too. I like that a lot. Yeah, she, I think she's watched both of them. All right, right, so what are you going to pick, Brendan? Are you going to pick Parent so Trap? So all of mine are vampire-based. Um, so I have four vampire movies that actually haven't been brought up by anybody else yet, except for Queen of the Damned, which we talked about earlier. So I'm going to add Queen of the Damned to my list. Um, right. I'm also going to put Buffy on there, because I mentioned it earlier. Yeah. Uh, vampire Slayer came out in 1992. Luke Perry, Chrissy Swanson spawned a hit TV show. Maybe this movie will, too. Um, two other movies that I wanted to add. The first one uh, came out a few years ago, also based on a book about vampires. This one is about the hunting of vampires, also starring a historic figure, Abe Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. <laughs> that was that was also based on a book. I don't know if you said that. That's, but... what, that's what I said, yeah. That's funny. I was I was considering uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies for like a nice. similar, just like that, like <laughs> gothic vibe with 
you know, these killers. Were they were those in the same series, those two books? I don't what? know. Pride and Prejudice and Zombies and Abe Linker Vampire Hunter. Were those the same? Uh, I think they're, they're not. No, okay. I don't think they're the same author. Um, And my final one that I'm going to pick is that I know we won't do, but I want to give it a shout out. There is a Japanese animated film from the 1980s that is really, really good. And I watched it a ton in college and it spawned a couple of sequels. And it's about a vampire hunter, and it's called Vampire Hunter D. Hmm, I've never heard of that. 1995, or 1985. And it's a Japanese horror cartoon movie called Vampire Hunter D. It's really, really well made, and it's spawned a whole subgenre of gothic animation. Hmm. So those are my four. Queen of the Dam, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Abe Lincoln, and Vampire Hunter D. All right. So I'm going to go through everything that was suggested, and then I will get to make his pick. So we have Ocean's Eleven, Mask of Zorro, Broken Arrow, Let the Right One In, Only Lovers Left Alive, Girl Walks Home at Night, uh, The Virgin Suicides, The Crying Game, Michael Collins, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Streetcar Named Desire, Marie Antoinette, What We Do in the Shadows, the Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Death Becomes Her, Queen of the Damned, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Abe Lincoln Vampire Hunter, and Vampire Hunter D. So, Av, or no. Why Brennan. do you let Av pick last? No, so Brennan, yeah, Brennan goes first. I, I forgot yeah. that we... So we, I am going to, so I think I texted you when Molly sent in her feedback back, and I was like, I love all three of these picks, and I want to pick all three of them. Um, I think that I need to go with one of the two I haven't seen. I have seen Let the Right One In, even though it's fantastic and I want to pick it. I think I'm going to pick Only Lovers Left Alive, um, the Jim Jarvis film. So I do I do like that. Uh, I feel like all of Molly's picks are like very long titles. Like, yeah, right? They're all four but they're plus all like titles. Films that go well with what we've done that I want to see. And yeah. there you go. Yeah. All right. So only lovers left alive is Brennan's pick. It's my pick next. Um, let's see. Uh, I think I'm gonna go Mask of Zorro since that was originally on my list. Mask um, of Zorro. Yeah, and uh, I will say, Jeff, uh, all three of yours. I, I like all three of your connections. Yeah, I did too. I did too. Good job. Yeah, everybody, everybody running good connections this week. Mm-hmm. All right, and Av. What are you going to pick? I will. Uh, I'll go with Zach's pick of what we do in the shadows because it's a lot of fun. It's a uh, it's a vampire movie. And who, anyone who hasn't seen it should see it because it's a lot of fun. Yes. Um, all right. So now we get to pick what our movie for next week will be between our only lovers left alive, the mask of Zorro and what we do in the shadows. Um, I feel like since one of our regular listeners gets scared by vampire movies, that are actually scary because what we do in the shadows is not scary at all. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we should pick only lovers left alive. I remember that being pretty dark. Okay. But, uh, oh, you've seen it. Okay. I have seen it. Um, okay. Then I don't remember it very well, but I saw it. Okay. But I do like Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to take that off and watch it on my own then. Um, yeah, uh, Brendan, what you should do is you should do an all Molly ladder, so you should watch all three of those uh, movies in a, in a row. You're right. Point. You're right. I should. Yeah. And then come back and talk about them. You're right. I should. I definitely should. Um, so Mask of Zorro, last I saw it was streaming on Netflix. I don't know if it still is, though. Uh, it does not look like it is. It's on IMDb TV. Uh, what We Do in the Shadows, that is streaming on. I actually have been watching the What We Do in the Shadows TV show a lot 
Like I just was watching it yesterday. And if you've not seen what we do in the shadows, um, the TV show, if you've watched the movie, the show is hilarious. It is just like, it is like a similar concept, but a little bit different. Um, I really think we should do what we do in the shadows. I think we would have a lot of fun with it. I think we should too. Yeah. Um, Mask of Zorro, we will, I think we'll get to eventually on just like a lazy Saturday where we want to watch that with Mac and, yeah. you know, yeah, um, we'll, we'll get there. And what we do in the shadows is, uh, for those of you who don't like vampires, it is like not serious at all. It is, it's, it is very it's funny. It's Taika Waititi who did Thor Ragnarok. It's a comedy. It's, it's very, it's very well made. And it's also very short. I believe it's only 80 minutes. Zach. 86 like minutes that. is what it's listed yeah. at. Yeah. So it's a quick watch. Um, yeah. Streaming on Hoopla on Canopy as well. Um, so if you have a library card, you can watch it on one of those or you can rent it. So, um, and this was what I thought was Taika Waititi's first movie. And it turned out it's like his fourth or fifth movie. Um, yeah. So uh, the movie that I talked about last week, I think the movie Boy was his movie that came out a few years before What We Do in the Shadows. So if you like What We Do in the Shadows, you can check out some of the other ones. Um, yeah. And of course, of course, he did Thor Ragnarok as well. Yep. So, um, all right. Av, you've seen What We Do in the Shadows, correct? Yes. All right. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's very, it's yeah. so funny. This will be like my third or fourth time watching it. So, all right, so that that is our choice for next week. The connection there is basically what we do in the shadows is like a parody of Interview with the Vampire. It's a mockumentary about vampires. So you can't get much closer to Interview with the Vampire, but it's much funnier. It's much funnier, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it will make you never be able to look at vampires the same way. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, Av... How can people keep in touch with you while you are on your uh, your up and down break from us? Yeah, um, you can continue to follow me on Twitter and on Letterboxd at A. Sinensky. And if you're a Curb Your Enthusiasm fan, you can check out the podcast I do on a weekly basis with Alex Chester from 32 Fans. Uh, we just released this week's episode, season four, episode three, The Blind Date. Um, and... Next week, we'll be covering season four, episode four, The Weatherman, and we're very excited. We have a special guest, Josh Wiggler, will be joining the podcast next week. Oh, oh nice. Yeah, he, uh, he he told us a long time ago that as soon as Marty Funkhauser shows up, he wants to join us. So oh, cool. That time well, has come. You, well, if you two schlubs can get Josh Wiggler, maybe there's hope for the rest of us. <laughs> uh, very cool. That'll be, that'll be fun. Um yeah, I, I watched uh, The Blind Date last night, and it's, it was my favorite episode of the season so far, but I haven't really liked this season very much. I like the podcast better than the episodes. So. Uh, yeah, um, I, I think the season's about to uh, kick into high gear. Um, if you, if you, if, I don't know how well, how well you remember season four of Curb, but like if you if you take a look ahead of the episodes coming up, it's basically uh, a bunch of Hall of Famers one right after another till oh, good. the end of the season, in my, oh. for, my, for my memory. Yeah, so that, and that podcast is pretty, pretty, pretty good. That is three pretties if you were looking for it. So if you want to hear Av, he's still going to be doing that weekly, and we're going to try to get him to come back on this podcast. So yep. you'll get to hear him occasionally. Yep. I'm sure he'll let us know when there's something he really, really wants to hop on and talk about. And he may he may have to send us a voicemail every once in a while, too. Yeah, he's just going to come pounding on our door and say, let the right one in. And exactly. We say, what? And he says, let me in. So that's... Very good. Very good. Uh... Right. You know, uh, earlier when you said uh, when you said that I should do a Molly ladder, what popped into my head is that scene from The Boys. 
<laughs> whoever Molly is, she's not with me. Oh, the, from Good Boys, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that actually that actually happened at a concert. Mac and I were at a concert. We're talking right? about Mac a lot in this podcast today. <laughs> yeah. uh, but we were at a concert in D.C. like maybe 10 years ago, and we were standing in line to get a beer, and some girl walks up to us. She was really wasted, and she goes, do you guys know where Molly is? And we were both like, no, we don't know Molly. And then it wasn't until after that we found out what Molly actually means. <laughs> I said, like, oh, we are old now. She probably, okay. yeah, it was probably something like, do you know where I can find Molly? Right. That, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah. And we were like, okay, cool. We're boomers now. That's, that's great. <laughs> okay, boomer. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So, Brendan, where people follow you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at FidzyBrendan or on Letterboxd at BrendFids11. Uh, other than that, now I'm going to go and on same old, same old over at Post Show Recaps doing the social media for that. Um, things are kicking into high gear as we head into the fall, which is the most fun time because new shows are starting and so podcasts are dropping more regularly over there. Um, yeah, you reminded me yesterday. I, that you reminded me yesterday. Speaking of this podcast, Fargo like, season four. Fargo man. is coming out in like two weeks. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I, I need to watch season three. That. I never watched it. So I started I season should. three last night. I, yeah, I, I uh, other than that, um, I got a new laptop, and so far so good Ooh. on this recording. So cool. there you go. <laughs> That's All it. Right. And uh, I I did not get a new laptop recently, but I am at Brooks ZA, and you can follow me there. And we will catch you next week for what we do in the shadows, Taika Waititi's vampire mockumentary. Keep sucking. want to live long they have no use for your song you're dead you're dead you're dead you're dead and out of this world you'll never get a second chance plan all your moves in advance stay dead stay dead stay dead stay dead and out of this world